Praise God. Can we get Psalm 23 up there, please? Let's read the word of the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Master, we thank you for this precious time in you. We thank you for the worship that went forth. We thank you for the power, the awesome power of your presence in this house. And Lord, we pray that tonight, this afternoon, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit would revolutionize our lives through your word. Master, I pray that you would help me to get out of your way so that you can do what you can only do in this place, in our hearts and in our minds. Father, we give you preeminence over everything today. Have your way. This is your house and we are your people. Speak to us today, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You all may be seated. So the last couple of weeks, we've been discussing Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is a constant source of inspiration for people, right? Um, It's one that we find all over the place on T-shirts, little placards in people's people's houses. In fact, uh, people that are not even Christian, you know, a lot of times can literally quote Psalm 23 word for word, not really fully understanding what it's all about. Um, but we find it all over the place. We find it in the media. We find it uh, even, even you know, I kind of Googled yesterday Psalm 23 to s- see if I could find a, a little video. Um, as I usually do, sometimes I use videos in, in, you know, when I'm up here. And I found that they even used Psalm 23 in an episode of Lost. Anybody here a fan of Lost? So sorry. So, you know, it was real, it was real intense, you know, and there was a part where there, there's a famous uh, African actor, and he's saying it, there's like a collision or something, a plane on fire, and he's standing there, and it's so intense, and he's saying, the Lord is my shepherd, and they go through the whole psalm, and it's so powerful and intense, and, you know, they use it all over the place. I mean, a lot of times, they'll completely deny where it came from and who it's talking about. But they'll still use it because it's a source of comfort. The words are powerful. Um, and, and I find that in my own life, I'm sure you guys in, in, at certain points of your life where you've gone through extreme times of frustration and anxiety, um, where you've also quoted the psalm. And uh, so I actually found a little video that was interesting. There's a gentleman working in an office, and I I often find myself in this very same situation. Obviously, he's got a deadline to meet. He needs to print some paperwork. It's not necessarily coming out of the printer the way he's expecting. 
can see that he's probably already just a little bit frustrated. See his posture is a little bit disgusted. And again, it's just not working. So as any true techie would do. Oops. When I first saw this video, you know what I said? Yeah! You kill that printer! That has been me probably a hundred thousand times. So sometimes we get frustrated. And it's not necessarily human beings that we get frustrated at. And we find ourselves in various crazy situations where we are going to generate a response. There's going to be a response. Frustration causes a response. And we can use Psalm 23 to change our response. He needed Psalm 23 desperately. He needed to stop and say, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Today, uh, we're just going to look at Verse 3. Everybody say verse 3. I'm not going to get overzealous and try to cover too much. I'm just going to do one little portion. Because when I started looking at the psalm, um, and I, I, I have to admit, I never really looked at it very closely. I realized that you can literally take apart each verse and derive a massive wealth of stuff for you to just be like, Oh, ow, wow, never saw that. That's amazing. So much that applies to our life. So I'm just going to look at verse 3 today. Everybody say, yes. Everybody say, this is going to be short. Not. Just joking. All right, so let's, let's just get verse 3. Thank you so much, Latasha. Verse 3. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Thank you, sister, uh, Minister Dori, for this water. Thank you. So on Thursday night, I went to this baptismal service, and it was awesome. How many of us were there? I know you were there for sure. I saw some of y'all getting blessed big time. Um, some folks got baptized for the first time. Some folks got baptized uh, perhaps for the second or 15th time. I'm not sure. They just like that water. Amen. Look, there's no limit, right? We can do it over and over again. Ain't nothing wrong with it. And so it was beautiful. And when I, when I was there, I, uh, I discussed how, you know, when I had given my life to the Lord, and it was a very interesting way. I mean, it was very different than most people. I actually got baptized, got filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and got saved and the whole thing in one day. Uh, actually, really, in less than an hour, right? And so my experience with the Lord that day revolutionized my life. 
And so we'll look at the, the first portion of this verse. He restores my soul. Everybody say, he restores my soul. All right. Uh, David is a very interesting character, figure in the Bible. And uh, when you read Psalm 23, you have to think about David. And you have to think about who he was and what he did. All right. And I'm going to get back on the restoring my soul part. But when you think about David, what do you think about? What comes to mind? Say it again. Warrior. Slaying Goliath. Give me something else. Shepherd boy, worshiper, king, break dancer. Okay. Broke his clothes off. He was all of those things. You think he understood something about stress? You think he understood something about having his soul being pulled away from and depleted? I mean, just if you take one of those titles alone, warrior, right? He was known as a mighty uh, tactician and warrior. And what does that mean? You know, you can read it and you have this image in your mind of a guy with a sword in his hand and he looks all glorious and he's like, but what does that really mean? What it simply means is that he killed a lot of people, right? He conquered lands that God commanded him to conquer, meaning he had to take people out that were in the region. And so, you know, in, in that time, we did not have such a thing as PTSD, right? But it had to exist. You can't have blood on your hands uh, for thousands and thousands of people and not have some kind of stress disorder. I believe that PTSD has a lot to do with what's going on in the soul of a man. And they need their soul restored. Right? They need restoration of their soul. Soul defined. Everybody say defined. It is the spiritual or immaterial or non-material part of a human being or an animal regarded as immortal, a person's moral or emotional nature or sense of identity. Everybody say sense of identity. When I came to the Lord, there were a lot of really distorted things going on in my life. A lot of beliefs that I had, a lot of brokenness, and I needed to be restored. My sense of identity was all backwards. I had no clue who I was. When we come to God, we need restoration. All throughout our walk with God, we need restoration. David is saying that the good shepherd restores his sense of identity. Right? So the Psalm 23 is broken up into two portions, essentially. The first four verses talk about how he's the good shepherd, and we need to depend on him. And so as the good shepherd, he restores our identity. He restores that which makes up our mind, our thought processes, our desires, our goals, our morals. Why are y'all looking at him? He'll get it done. <laughs> it's the button that says power. Poder. So we need our soul restored. Thank you, Minister. 
No apologies. No apologies. It's fine. That was part. Yeah, we planned that. So our souls as Christians, we need restoration. Amen? How many people here have received or experienced the restoring power of God's Holy Spirit? All right, your hand should have went straight up real high. You should have touched the ceiling. Because if you've been there, then you know. And, and you know that when God gives, it's satisfactory and excellent and complete complete and total restoration. Amen? Somebody say amen. amen. Uh, when he, the word restoration connotates bringing it back to its original value, its original worth, its original purpose. See, because God has a purpose for us, and he's designed us a certain way. And separation from him causes us to be distorted, abnormal in our thinking and in our behavior and in our soul, literally. Literally. Amen? Am I, am I talking to anybody here? That's what separation from God brings. But when you come back to him, he restores you. Pastor on Thursday night mentioned something about rest- the, the enemy having to restore the things that he's taken away from you over time. And when you come to God... The enemy has to give all that back. And sometimes with a little extra on top. God is good. God restores us to our original purpose. Second half of that verse. Everybody read it. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Have you guys ever seen a shepherd and sheep? Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's, I'm a city boy, right? So I don't see that kind of stuff very often. In fact, when I get out of New York and I go to places like, uh, what was the name of that place where we were with the uh, Amish? Lancaster, Pennsylvania. It was awesome. And I saw some amazing stuff there. And I smelled some amazing stuff there. (laughs) And it must have been like the season where they were preparing to fertilize the soil. Because it just was everywhere. Goodness gracious. But sheep are very interesting beasts. And uh, David was a shepherd, as somebody had mentioned earlier. And he had very intimate knowledge of what it is that had to be done with sheep to keep them in good health. uh, To take them to places where they needed to eat. To places that were safe. Um... And a shepherd had, you know, tools at his disposal to keep them safe with. And uh, shepherds understand the layout of the land. That's their job as they guide and direct sheep, right? And David is talking about how God is his shepherd. And we are sort of like the sheep. He was the sheep. So us as the sheep under God, he directs us, right? He leads us. In fact, the very next verse says that he has a rod and he has a staff. Who knows what a rod and a staff is? Amen. A rod is, is basically a, a, a club, right? Not, not club club, but, you know, the kind that you would see a caveman knock somebody over the head with. And, um, 
And he also had a, a, a staff. And the staff had a crook at the end of it. The shepherd's crook. And he would use it to pull in the, he would use it to pull in the sheep. And using these tools, he would lead sheep. He would guide them. He would guide them to where there was safety. And uh, he would guide them to the goal, to wherever it was they were going. Because essentially, you know, sheep are dumb. They don't know where they're going. They don't know where safety is. Uh, they don't know where the place of sustenance and provision is. But God knows. The shepherd knows. And so if we allow him to lead us, we're in good hands. More importantly, he leads us in the paths of righteousness. Everybody say a path of righteousness. The fact that it's a path of righteousness is very important. Right? So for David, God desired to lead him down paths of upright, uprightness or righteousness during his kingship and enable him to win great battles in his commission to possess the land promised to the nation. And so what, what's the importance of righteousness? Who knows what righteousness is? It's in right standing with God. Living a sanctified life unto God. Living a holy life. One that is separated unto him. Essentially, to make it easy, just placing God first in everything that you do. Um, God leads us in the paths of righteousness... Because righteousness is the key. Righteousness is where we have our authority in God. Right? Righteousness gives us confidence in God. The reason he leads us in the paths of righteousness is because if we're not living righteously, our confidence is kind of pulled away. And then we're afraid to step out in faith. Because for whatever reason, we may feel unworthy. We might feel, wow, you know, how can I ex expect God to act on my behalf if I was just doing this last night? Or if I was saying this? Or if I stole this? Or if I lied about this? And sin, right, the, the weight of sin in our lives can actually hold us down. Especially if it's unchecked or unrepented for a long period of time. It can kind of mount up. And it'll literally pull you further and further away. It accuses, right, the accuser of the brethren, Satan himself, will make you feel nasty and dirty and it'll have you backing up when you should be moving forward. Right? And so he leads us in the paths of righteousness. He literally guides us by taking that shepherd's crook and saying, ah, this way. No, 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 right down this way. And he'll guide us. He'll give us the bona fide, sanctified road to success if we allow him to just guide us. We can get off and we can fight if we want to. He guides our steps. Thank you, minister. You're making up for the AC thing, right? It's cool. Right, he guides our steps. He orders our steps. And so um, the thing is he carries both a rod and a staff. Hmm. That's interesting. Well, the thing is with the rod and the staff is, you know, I actually read up a little bit on this rod thing. It's kind of cool. So what the shepherd will do, he'll go out and he'll pick this, this tree and he'll take this bulbous part of it and he'll carve it out so that it's literally like a fat knot at the end of a stick. 
And uh, I think Pastor had mentioned two weeks ago how they'll practice on throwing it so that they can hit stuff. You know, if a wolf comes into the midst, he'll throw it, and they'll get it to the point where they have pinpoint accuracy. You don't play with these dudes. <laughs> and these, these clubs, are, these rods, are, they'll hurt you badly. In fact, David, I believe, used his, uh, his rod to slay a, a lion and a bear. It's no joke. It takes a committed individual to kill a lion with a stick. Mm. But see, the Lord is our good shepherd. He's committed. So if you choose not to stay on the path of righteousness... Now, I read uh, about the shepherds that what they'll do is, as the sheep kind of gets to an area that's not safe, where they're unprotected, or if there's a, something poisonous that they're about to eat, the shepherd will take the rod and throw it, and not hit the sheep, but throw it close enough where it'll scare the poo out of them. And he'll come, in, he'll come running back to the flock for his own safety. Right? So we as sheep, would we rather have the gentle tugging of the shepherd's crook? Or do we want to be scared to death so that we get put back in line? We're dumb sheep. Look, I've needed the rod a few times, and I'm the dude with the mic in his hand. We're dumb sheep. Thank God for the shepherd. Thank God for his loving kindness. Paths of righteousness. Now why? Why is he leading us into the path of righteousness? The next portion says, for his name's sake. That's really important. That's kind of like the exclamation point at the end of the sentence. His name is on the line when it comes to us. Amen? Those of us who are parents, we think about sometimes whether or not our kids are keeping our name in good standing with society and our neighbors. There's a young man in, uh, in my school that we had to drop off over the, during the week because he's just you know, creating havoc in my school. And uh, when we got to his house, we find out from the mother that she owes like three or four people on the block money for windows, replacement windows. There was like one th- uh, $2,000 bill for a window for the, for the public school that was across the street. Now, this kid in the afternoons was coming home and literally just chucking rocks at windows. And this is a little kid. He's uh, 10 years old. 10 years old. Now, granted, there are a number of extenuating circumstances going on in the, fun, in the family and in the home. And, you know, he's a very angry child, much like I was. But, you know, I think these people are probably worried about making everybody upset on the block, right? We're worried that our children and the people that we're looking after are keeping our names in good standing, our namesake. I pray to God that Aponte becomes a world-renowned name, that my children and my children's children start a ministry that's going to blanket the earth in God's goodness and God's love. Every time you step outside your door in the morning, God's name is at stake with you. 
Amen. When we get baptized in his name, when we're uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, we literally take on his name. I became Tony Jesus. I know that sounds strange, but it's true. We take on that name. We take on the power and the authority of that name. Somebody say amen. Amen. Do you have that name? Amen. Praise God. Um, I'm lost. Sorry. His name is on the line. In fact, uh, it's kind of a thing where I don't know if you've ever seen the commercial. There, There was a commercial years ago for Vidal Sassoon. Anybody ever see it? If you don't look good, we don't look good. See? That stupid little catchphrase takes you right back to 1998. Sitting on your couch. If you don't look good, we don't look good. If we don't look good, God doesn't look good. And he does everything within his power to make sure that we're successful. His, believe it or not, his success is tied in with our success. And vice versa. Our success is tied in with his. His name is on the line. If we don't succeed, it puts his name down. If you own a business and your name is on the business and people are walking around saying, you know, I, I'm with the uh, Aponte Carpet Cleaning Service and somebody walks into your house and they come in and the carpet looks terrible and they walk out and they're done and they get paid and the carpet still looks terrible. What's going to happen? I'm going to fire that guy because now the Aponte Carpet Cleaning Service is doing a bad job and I'm going to lose money. I'm going to lose revenue. Well, for God, it's I'm going to lose souls because people are going to see our fruits and say, oh, I don't want to be one of those. Amen. If we bear the wrong abnormal fruit and we call ourselves Christians, who's going to want to be a Christian? And we see it all the time. Unfortunately, you guys are very very serious. <laughs> when we look at Psalm 23, we find the courage and sometimes the wisdom we need in order to respond properly to life, life's little issues. Right? When we see he restores my soul and we understand the depth of what that truly means, that he literally restores our soul. A lot of times you see you know, people come into the church And they look broken and abused and battered. And they look drawn and they look just tattered and raggedy. And you see them 10 years later after spending 10 years in his presence, after spending 10 years amidst uh, a powerful people of God that are imparting into their lives, a lot of times you'll see a huge change. I looked pretty raggedy when I first came to church. I had a mohawk. Tattoos all over the place, smoking Marlboros. Uh, I had a, a Mickey Mouse shirt that was cut up to here. I was real skinny then. I'd look like a total idiot now. Well, I look like a total idiot then too. Um, earrings all over the place, nose rings, nipple rings, belly button rings, getting high every day. And I looked the part. I looked jacked, I think. Many years later, I, I, I looked at a couple of pictures of myself from a friend. And, you know, I, I looked, there was, I remember one picture where I was in, um, 
where were we? My uncle had gotten married at the UN uh, chapel, and I thought it would be funny to, uh, you know, to look demonic. So I stood behind the altar, and I kind of did this weird-looking, ugly, evil-looking thing, and I saw it years later. I was like, ew, what am I doing? But God restores us. He restores us to our purpose. Without God, I would not have this amazing and precious wife. I would not have the beautiful children that I have. Honestly, my, my whole take on life was that I'd probably be dead by the time I was 30. With, you know, nothing left behind. No legacy whatsoever. Boy, was I wrong. God had a different plan. He restores our soul. He gives, up, he gives us newness of life. He gives us hope and joy, a better future, a better way. He gives us an opportunity at an abundant life where he gives rather than the world just taking out of us and sucking us dry. He restores our soul. And he leads us into the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It's detrimental that we succeed. Because if we look good, he looks good. And I, I think we serve a God that likes to look good. When we read in the book of Revelation what heaven looks like and what he looks like on his throne, it's pretty amazing. I think he likes to look good. Walls of jasper, streets of gold. I think he likes to look good. He's giving us every opportunity to succeed. His word is everything we need. And this is just one verse. One Imagine 66 books filled with verses. Just one verse. Has the Lord restored your soul? If he hasn't, it's time to make a change. It's time to try, try something different. Try it God's way. Get with the good shepherd. Because he is faithful. He is faithful. The Lord is our shepherd and his provision renews and satisfied. satisfies. I'm sorry. Everybody say his provision renews and satisfies. He equates our success with his own success. And he is concerned that if we fail, he has failed. And my God don't quit. You're not getting away. <laughs> In fact, I was testifying the other night about how my mom is sitting here. So, Mom, I'm sorry. This includes you. Let me take a sip of water. It may be my last. <clears throat> so, so check this out. So I came to the Lord at 19, right? And um, not realizing that my mom, many, many, many years before, had given her life to the Lord in Puerto Rico. La Isla del Encanto. She had gone away for the summer. And uh, she got with this, um, this church group out there. I think she called it La Cosillista. Uh, I have no clue what that means. But it's like, a, I think, like a Baptist movement out in, um, in Puerto Rico many years ago. I'm not going to say it about the time period because I don't want to date my mom here. And so... She had given her life to the Lord, and it was like the best 
two or three months of her life. She, was going, she went out and got baptized. She was going to people's house and serving, singing on the choir. And then when she came back to, uh, to New York from that summer, it kind of all collapsed. It all came to an end because there was nobody to continue to foster her relationship with the church and her relationship with the Lord. And, you know, things in the home may not have been in, been in very good shape. So at home, they didn't foster church life. Uh, and they were not saved, and they didn't know how to continue her walk with the Lord. So she had lost touch with serving God at that, um, at that level. And so many, many years later, when I got saved, and again, I'll, I'll say again, when I got saved, it was all like in like, bing, boom, bam, you're saved. I wasn't even looking for the Lord. I didn't go to church that day saying, I want to get saved. You know, I need God. I had actually gone to church uh, February 12, 1995 to ask somebody to interpret a dream for me. I didn't go to church looking for God. And all of a sudden, I find myself within one or two hours, you know, putting on a robe to go get dunked in, in a baptismal tank. Right? Just 10 minutes after I had stood there asking God for forgiveness and then God taking control over my entire body and my face and my tongue and wound up speaking in tongues. I had no clue what that was all about. No Bible studies, no nothing. And I realized that God already had my number. And it wasn't even because of anything that I had done, anything that I had chased, nothing that I could... You know. It was all about my mom and him fulfilling the promises that he made to her simply because I came from her. The good shepherd is faithful. And we can run, but he's going to get us. He's going to come after us with a fervent love. He'll never let us go. He restores our soul, and he literally gives us the right path to walk on and keeps us there. What more can you ask for? If you have never experienced the love of God, if you've never experienced salvation in Jesus Christ, it is available for you here today. It doesn't matter where you come from. We don't want your money. You can keep it. Keep it in your pocket and in your wallet. The Lord loves us, every one of us. To the person who's been here 20 years serving at this church, to the person who just walked through that door a couple hours ago. Even if you're not looking for God, He's looking for you. And He's looking for you with a fervent, passionate, holy love, looking to bless you and keep you and give you the best of the best. Literally. We see a lot of commercials and a lot of advertisements that say that they've got the best this or the best that, and it's going to give you such a high or such a pep in your step, or it's going to make you feel great, that mess is temporary. It's gone after just a moment or two. But the Lord Jesus Christ, he's a complete and total benefit, not asking for anything in return. He just wants to love you because his success is your success.